This last week uh, was, was Halloween, was Tuesday, and the kids were out, you know, getting all their candy and stuff. I, I saw a, a video, which is today's stories, by the way. I saw a video that just intrigued me. Now, usually for, for, for Halloween, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad when it's over. You know, it's like Christmas, you know, the, all the lights are up and stuff like that. They, they linger, you know, at the day after Christmas, all the way up to New Year's. And I think that's great. Just leave them up, you know. I just, I love it like that. But Halloween, I'm done, okay? So if I go by Halloween, why have they take their stuff down yet? <laughs> you know, I don't want to be that grouchy old man. But that's okay. Uh, but and it's fun, and, and I always grew up trick-or-treating and stuff. But I'm, when it's done, it's done. I'm ready for Thanksgiving. Come on, listen to me, you know. I'm ready, I'm ready for all of that. I'm ready for... Christmas, which is our season, by the way, you know, in case you didn't know that, <laughs> your season is, is Advent, your season is Christmas, your season, this is where we shine, this is where we celebrate, this is where, we're, we're, if there's ever a time we're saying, come on, be a part of what, we're, what God is doing in our life and in our family and everything, God can touch yours as well, that's this season coming up. So I'm so excited about everything that's coming up. But I saw this video it was about Halloween, and so what they did, this guy was obviously busy, you know, in life or whatever, but he put out a huge bowl of candy. I mean, this thing was large. It was full of, not this junk candy, you know what I'm saying? It was like Snickers and Reese's peanut butters, and how many, how many wish you had your candy now? But it was full of candy, and he had a little note on it, and it said, please take one. Please take just one. And so I didn't see that, you know, I don't know where this happened, but the bowl was pretty full when a family came up. It was actually uh, two women and a man and a bunch of kids. And they took, the kids each took one candy, and then the parents took some and took some more and took some more and took some more and just began to stuff their pockets and their shirts because they didn't have bags, you know, because, you know, don't, don't trick or treat. But they just started, and they emptied the entire bowl. It was completely empty. And then this guy posted it, I don't know if to shame the family or, or whatever, but I started to think about that. And I, and I, and I started to think about, I, I actually want to see the video of the, of the next child up that comes to that bow and looks at that bow and thinks, oh no, there's none left for me. There's nothing left for me. Not because I wanted to rejoice in that, but I just think this is a picture that we need to understand of who we are. Because we are the bowl for the next generation. We have the things that God has put into our life. God has given us blessings or uh, understanding or relationship with Him that we are and must be the full bowl for somebody else. You know, our theme verse for this church who we are, Psalms 102.18. Let me just remind you of this. It says, let this be written, literally. Let this be done. Let this be declared. Let this be set in stone. Let it be written for a future generation that a people not created, not yet created, may praise the Lord. Let this be declared. What we're doing, let this be done. Why are we here? Not just for ourselves, not just for even one another right now, but we are building something for a future generation, for a people that aren't even created yet, that they don't even know yet. 
that, that aren't even here yet, that, that don't know, yeah, this is, you know, and they'll come in years later and say, wow, this is amazing. Look what you have done and all that and be touched and be moved. And it will be because of a future generation of, of, of a people that said, I see something bigger. I see something more. I want to do something more. And you might say, Greg, I want that. How do I live like a full bow? I want to be a full bow. I want to have something to give to the future generation. Now and in the future, I want to have something. How do I, how do I live that, that way? And I want to talk about that because I want to talk about a full, bow, a full bow generation. I have to have a little confession. Is When I was just starting out in ministry, I was... Uh, doing uh, a youth and just the kids. I did the kids, the youth. I did. I was a social pastor, which means you do everything the senior pastor doesn't want to do, okay? That's what a social pastor means, by the way. Just letting you know that, Jerry. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I want to do, that's you. So, I had this huge, I was going to do this huge Super Bowl party. And I had the Super Bowl and I made flyers out and I passed them out everywhere and like that. And then, my, of course, my, my first pastor was uh, my father-in-law, very, very kind and very, very patient with me because I thought I knew everything. You know how that works. You know, then you get older and you realize you knew nothing. <laughs> so I, I like that, and he came up and he had this flyer in his hand, and I put this flyer everywhere. I mean, I put it out everywhere. It was like, I'm going to have a hundred kids there. I mean, I did all that. I was really excited. And he, he says, Greg, I... I saw your flyer. He says, yeah, it's good. And he says, he says, yeah, but have you read it? Says, of course I read it. I'm thinking, oh, no, I got the date wrong. Or, or oh, no, I got the time wrong. And, and he said, no, it's nothing that. And then he showed it to me, and I looked at it again. You know how sometimes you're blinded because you don't see this? This is why we all have Grammarly. You know what Grammarly is? You do Grammarly. I live by Grammarly. I don't see any. Anyway, that's another point. So it just spells check everything uh, more than word does because... I realized, finally, when he actually put his finger on it, that, that I just messed up a letter in bowl. How do you misspell bowl? I'll tell you how. Can you guess? You just add an E. <laughs> just let that sink in. We had a super bow. It was a mess. No, just kidding. <laughs> So, so anytime I, I talk about a full bowl, you know, you know how many times I check that? I spell check that just to make sure I never do that again. It's just a weakness. It's a failure. But, you know, sometimes you look at that. But we're not going to have a full bow. We're going to have a full bow. Come on. Some of you might have full bows, and then that's why people keep getting up in the middle of the sermon so much. I don't know. But it's about understanding. What does this mean to be full? What does it mean to be full? What does it mean... And, and literally, we need to be and live full of Christ. Because sometimes we're full, we're full of our own stuff. We're full of junk. We're full of bowel, if you understand. We're just full of stuff. And the only way we're going to live anything for the next generation, the only way we're going to make an impact on our children, and our family, and our communities, and our neighborhood, the only way is that we have to be full of Christ and who he is. I want to remind you of another scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It's a great verse. We, maybe you've heard it before. We don't really believe it. But I'm going to convince you of it before we're done. Because it says, 
You, you, sitting right here, you are a chosen people. You are a chosen, it literally is tribe, generation. You are the chosen generation. You, right here. This is us, right here. In this church, at this time, at this place, you are a chosen generation, a chosen people. You are the chosen people. Literally, it's what it's saying, which would have had a huge impact with everyone listening to this. A royal priesthood. A royal priest, a, a holy nation. You are a holy nation. You are the holy nation. God's special possession. God owns. That you may declare the praises. You are this for a reason. You're not all this because you're better than everybody else. You're not all this because you want to isolate everybody else. You're not all this because you can put everybody else down, tell them I'm going to heaven, you're going to hell. Whatever, you know. You're not, that's not why you're there. You're there because you're made holy. You're made special. You're made royal. You are chosen by God to be a generation right here, the chosen generation right now, so that you can declare the praises of God. So you can declare who he is. That's why you're chosen. That's why you're special. This is an incredible understanding. Do, do you understand what it means to be God's chosen people? Do you understand that, wow, God has chosen me. God has declared that I am a generation that will make an impact in this world at this time. This is all we have. You only have this generation. <laughs> we're, we're from the young to the old. There's just one generation. He just slowly moves and the old die off and the new are born, but it's just one generation. This is all we have. This is who we are. And God says through this scripture to understanding, do you understand that you are the chosen generation? This is the only generation this generation is going to have. Did you catch what I said there? This is it. We're it. We're, we're the church. We're his people. And if there's anybody that's going to praise God, it's got to be us. The world's not going to praise God. The world is not going to give and support the, the ministry. The world isn't going to. This is us. This is all we have. This, this, this is what we are. If we're going to make an impact, if we're going to change our family, if we're going to change the world, it's going to be because we're full of everything that God wants to put into our life. And you might really struggle with a chosen people, especially right now, war going on over in Israel and such and and I heard a radio announcer say, you know, we got to support them because they're the chosen people. And I don't disagree with that. I just want to amplify that. I'm the chosen people. You are the chosen people. And sometimes we have a hard time understanding that and, 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 and seeing that's just, that's them and, and that's not us. But that's not what the scripture says. You see, the chosen people were the descendants of Abraham, Okay. And they were chosen by birth. If you were born into it, now there was other ways. God kept giving this uh, an indication there's going to be more. Because if, if you joined Israel, if you committed to Israel, if you gave your life to Israel, uh, Israel and everything like that, then you could be a part of it as well. But for the most part, everyone that's born, whether they were really good, whether they were really bad, they were the chosen people because you were born. Which makes total sense to understanding when, when Jesus said you've got to be born again. Why? Because you have to be born into the chosen people. So now we understand that we have been born again, just like it was a birth for Israel. It is a rebirth for us. We have to be. You cannot come in to the family of God. You cannot come into the, 
to be the chosen people of God unless you're born into it. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus. You've got to be born again. <laughs> you think you are because of your heritage. No, no, no. You have to be born into who Christ is, into the family of God. That's what makes us the chosen people, is that we are born into that. And I believe, Israel, uh, we should support them. We should do everything. I, I, I'm, I don't want to get political, but I'm radical about this. I just, I, I just think uh, for 101 different reasons. On top of the, uh, the main, on top of all that, the Bible says that the last days, that all of Israel will be born again. That all of Israel, do you know the Bible teaches us that? That they will all come in, because the way they come in to, 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 to know Christ, the way they come in to be uh, experienced with that is through Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this. When's the last time you thought, yeah, I'm holy. I'm holy. Now, some of you, that's not an issue, and that's another, that's another sermon. But for most of us, it's like, I, I try, you know, but I am not holy. But you know the Bible says you are holy? You are holy because he has chosen us. You are holy because of who he is. You are holy but because of... We are holy, and you may struggle with that. But look what it says in Romans 11, verse 16. It says... Okay, so this is a much longer conversation, but I'm just going to dip into it and explain it, and we're going to move on. It's sort of like a hit and run for Scripture. Okay, ready? So stay with me. It says, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. <laughs> I love this. This is so precious. You've you got you to step into what God's Word saying. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And who is the root? but Christ. So Christ is holy. What makes me holy? Christ. <laughs> Why? Because I've been grafted in. The Bible talks about that those have, that have rejected Christ have been cut out, and we have been grafted in. And so, and not because we are holy, not because, ooh, that's a nice shiny branch. Mm, that's going to be really, that's going to really add. We need to add this. And sometimes people think that. Say, Man, I, I, I'm here to to add, and I'm here to help. You, you were unholy, but as you were grafted in, as you were born again, the being attached to the root, that's what makes us holy. Right. Now, we're still living into the sanctification part, okay? And then we'll have a, eventually a glorification at the end. And so God is working on it. But we are made holy in the eyes of God because of Christ, because of what he's done, because of the price that he's made. And anyone in the future that will be added in will be grafted back in. And that's when it talks about Israel. It's going to be grafted back in. And, 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 and Paul says the most unbelievable thing, that all of Israel will be grafted back in. <laughs> they, they see Israel in America or Christians that similar now. Wait till we are. <laughs> I'm, telling, I'm telling you, you need to understand this and understand that how you are part of the chosen people because of what God has done. We are holy because of the root. It's always because of the root, what he has done. And this is, makes us, and because we have Christ, this is what we offer people. We don't offer good intentions. We don't offer nice thoughts. We don't offer simple prayers. We offer Christ. Our bowl of what people come in, because they're coming, and sometimes they look in the bowl and it's empty. Don't be an empty bowl. 
Don't be an empty bow. Don't let people come up and say, oh, man, I, I was looking for something. And they're not looking for well-wishing. They're not, they're, we've got to be kind and loving to them. But you know what they need? They just need Christ. They need to see Christ in us, in the bowl. <laughs> they need to come up and say, wow, that's amazing. It's not because, yeah, I'm amazing. It's, it's amazing because they see Christ's love in us. They see Christ's forgiveness in us. They see Christ's kindness in us. They see Christ in us, and that's how we become a full bow. Now, what does it mean to be a full bow? Let me just hit a few thoughts that I think are real important for us this morning. First, a full bow generation, that's, who we, that's what we have to do. If we're going to see our families, our communities, our world touched by Jesus Christ, we've got to be full. We've got to be full of Christ. And you're thinking, I don't know, how, how do I fill it, well, you know? How do I put Christ in me? Well, let's start with salvation. Okay, if, if, you, if you're just going through the motions, if you just think it's some kind of superstition, if you just think it's showing up to church like that, you're missing it. It is a confession of He is Lord in your life. That means it's not you. You have died, the Bible says. Uh, and we are buried with Him. But then when we're raised up, it's not us that's raised up. He doesn't, we, he doesn't say you have to die and then I'll raise you up. Uh, like that. He says, you have to die, and when we are raised up, we are raised up in Christ. <laughs> We're always covered in Him. We're always full of Him. This is the only thing that'll touch the world. This is the only thing that'll change your family. This is the only thing that'll touch your communities. This is the only thing that will make a difference in the world and your business and everything around you is to be full of who Christ is. And how do we do that? Here's a first thought. A full bowl generation is a believing generation. <laughs> You've got to believe. You have to believe. This is based on faith. You see, that's why uh, Abraham believed by faith and righteousness was reckoned to him, was given to him. Why? Because he had faith. So therefore, even though everyone that came from Abraham were considered the chosen people, they were chosen, why? Because of faith. It was always about faith. It, was, it, it just was manifested because through in, in inheritance and through, through uh, uh, families and being born from Abraham, but it was always about faith. And that's what Hebrews teaches us and the Bible teaches us. It's always about faith. Now we come to Christ through faith. You have to believe. What are you believing? That is the issue. What do we believe? How do we believe? There's an incredible story. And I really feel for Thomas, but Jesus has been crucified, he's raised again, and he came and appeared to all the disciples, except one. How would you like to be Thomas? Maybe you feel like Thomas. Missed it. <laughs> but they were all in hiding with the doors locked, except Thomas. So who was the brave one? Who was willing to go out? I said, I'll go out and get the food. I'll go out and... Take care of business. I'll do that. Thomas was. For whatever reason, Thomas was out. Being courageous, being strong. I think doing what needed to be done when everyone else says, I'm not leaving. I'm that guy. The door's locked. Jesus appeared to the 11, technically the 10, <laughs> because Thomas wasn't there. And then Thomas comes back and they say, Thomas, you missed it. You ever feel that way? You missed it. You were out doing what you thought you should and being strong and being courageous, and you missed it because Jesus appeared to us. He came to us. Here was the greatest test 
for Thomas, but he failed. And before we condemn him too much, maybe we do the same. Because Thomas then reacted in his insecurity and says, I can't believe it. I was doing what I needed to do. I was out. I was taking care of business. I was doing what you guys wouldn't even leave the room. Jesus appears to, to you. Says, and then he responds out of insecurity, thinking maybe Jesus didn't want to appear to me. Maybe Jesus didn't love me as much as he loved them. And we all have these insecurities, and these insecurities certainly fed into Thomas. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe. No, no. He didn't, he didn't bother to appear to me. I'm not going to believe unless I see. And that was all just out of insecurity and fear. You, you may never respond that way in your life, but I know in my life I have. And then finally that next week, he was there. Jesus came, and, Peter, and, and Thomas sees him. And of course, Jesus called him right out because Jesus will deal with your insecurity Come on. He'll deal with your fear. He comes right up there and says, Hey, Thomas, you, you, you didn't think I was really raised from the dead? You doubted, you doubted me? What, what's that? He says, Touch my hand. Touch my side. See, this is me. See, this is real. This isn't a ghost. This is real. I have risen from the dead. Thomas just fell down. He said, My Lord, my God. In repentance. But it's the next phrase that is a lesson for us. It's the next thing he says in John 20, verse 29. He said, blessed, blessed. There is a blessing. There is an incredible blessing on all of those who never see and yet believe. Because everything that we are is about faith. We believe by faith that Jesus has forgiven me. I believe by faith that we are a family of God. I believe by faith that he's watching over me and taking care of me. I believe by faith that one day, either through the grave or him coming back, I'm going to be with him forever in eternity. I believe by faith. And he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And so should we be. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, Never seen Jesus. I felt him. I felt his mercy. I felt his grace. I've seen his miracles, seen his hand, but I, I've never seen, but I believe. I believe with all of my heart. I believe he is this. He's there. He's real. And this is real. You have to believe. Blessed are those. Do you believe or do you have to see first? And there's nothing that defines I think, a weak and struggling Christian more than someone says, well, until I see it, until this miracle happens, until God does his healing, and God, until God turns this business around, until God takes care of my messed up, screwed up family to be as cool as I am. And it, come on. And, and tell, until, until that happens, then, then, I'll, then, I'll, then, I'll, then I'll believe. No, missed it, missed it, missed it. <laughs> That's not who we are. That's not what it means to be full of, of Christ. To be full of Christ means I believe. I haven't seen it. There's no evidence of it. The world says it's not going to happen. The odds are against me. Come on, men. Come on. The odds are, are saying it's not going to happen. The odds are, are you don't like that. But I believe. I believe. I believe that's who he is. I believe that's what he's doing. How much do you believe? Do you believe the promises are for you? Years ago, Lisa and I were given a promise 
centered around Jackie when she was, before she was even born. It was a prophecy that came over us. We haven't seen the fulfillment of all of that, but I believe <laughs> I'm still hanging on as 26, 27 years later, and I'm still believing, I'm still trusting. Well, you haven't seen it's been that long. It doesn't matter. Something in the prophecy said, this won't happen until your later years. And I'm saying, God, I'm here. Okay, I just want to let you know. See this gray hair? I'm here. It's definitely later years. <laughs> okay, and everyone said, amen. The point is that I still believe. Do you believe? What, what is it going to take to believe those promises? Every one of those promises. You know, sometimes people say, Greg, you know, those Old Testament, that's, that was for Israel. No, no. That's me. I'm the chosen generation. Those, every, every promise that God has given us in the Old Testament, and even our key verses out of Psalms, all of those are us. All of, everything is us. And you say, how does that work? Because we don't do all the Old Testament. You ever wondered about this? You know, you got, you got sacrifices. You know, I haven't killed a goat lately. No, no, that's a good thing, you know. We don't do blood sacrifice. Let, let me tell you how this works. It's very, very simple. Everything in the Old Testament has to be brought through the cross is seen in the light of who Jesus Christ is. Why? Because everything's about Jesus, in just in case you didn't get that, right? It's all about Jesus. So everything in the Old Testament is brought through, is almost, in a sense, dragged through the cross. Let me give you an example. So everything is, number one, fulfilled. So there are some things, when you bring it through the cross, that's fulfilled. It's done. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, to abolish the Old Testament. I've come to fulfill it. So there's several things that are brought through that are fulfilled. Blood sacrifices are one of them. Anything that deals with cleansing, covenant, all of that. Because Jesus says, I have cleansed you. You are wholly clean. You're completely clean because I made you clean. <laughs> and Jesus said, I am the sacrifice. There's no need for sacrifices. There's no need for blood sacrifices, because that has been fulfilled in Christ. See how that is? So many things have been absolutely fulfilled. Some things, though, haven't been fulfilled. Some things uh, is about they've actually been transformed. I want you to think about this. What has been transformed? What was in the Old Testament the Bible said, do this? We're saying, well, I'm not doing that. Oh, yes, we are, because it has been transformed when it's brought through the cross, and Jesus did it himself. So what can you think of that's in the Old Testament, maybe that's around Passover? The Bible says we have to honor Passover, remember Passover. But when Jesus brought it through the cross, he said, no, 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 this is not the blood of bulls and goats. This is my blood. And he says, this body is not a burnt sacrifice. This is my body. So he transformed uh, some of those things and brought it into now we have communion, which we're going to take next week, by the way. Just if you do that, write it down. You're the worship team's going, oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Stay with us. So that's transformed. Now, some things, so some, some things have been fulfilled. Uh, many things in the Old Testament have been transformed into newness of Christ. Some things have been brought through, and, and they have been, I like to say, reinforced or even strengthened. For example, we have the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments... We still do them. It's not like oh, those aren't fulfilled. <laughs> I obey my mom and dad. I'm done. No, no, no. It's not like, but how are they reinforced? How are they even stronger? One, because we actually have the uh, ability in Christ to actually obey our parents. <laughs> you know. But also, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, the, the, the Old Testament says, uh, do not commit murder. I tell you, if you hate, you've committed murder. 
whoa. <laughs> Talking about reinforced. Talking about, the Bible says, don't commit adultery. Don't sleep with someone that's not your wife or your husband. Okay, it's real simple, <laughs> you know. But the Bible, but Jesus said, if you look lustfully at someone, you've committed adultery. Whoa, brought it all up. So everything, every promise, this is the point, in the Old Testament is mine. It is, being, it is fulfilled in Christ. It has been transformed in Christ, or it is reinforced with inside me of what God is trying to do and God wants to do. This is important. The promises are for you. We cannot live and be a believing, believing generation if we don't understand how to be full of his promises. You've got to hang on to those. You've got you to you believe in those. And I'm telling you how to believe in those. How to say, God, I believe you can do that. But secondly, a full bold generation, one that's going to live, that's going to change the world around us, is a risking generation. Are you willing to risk it? What are you willing to risk? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Just risk and say, okay, God, I'm going to serve you. I've always been intrigued with these great cathedrals. And one day, it's in mine and Lisa's heart to go to Italy and some of these other places. and Just see these great cathedrals. Do you realize that some of them took up to 800 years to build? Okay, you try being a pastor of a building program that's going to take 800 years. <laughs> Sometimes we're in line at Starbucks and we're just furious because it's taking an extra 10 minutes. Come on, somebody say it. We're so impatient. We're just so impatient. Here's a generation that started that says, we're going to give, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to lay it down, we're going to see the God's house built, and we'll never see it built. Wow, that's a risk. Are you willing to risk and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pour into my family. I'm going to pour into your family. I'm just being really real with you. You may never come to Christ until after you're gone. But because you believed, because you confessed, because you prayed, after you're gone, all of a sudden something stirs in their heart or somebody meets somebody or says something and they hear your voice in their head and they're thinking, I need to give my life to Christ. Come on, you just got to keep believing. You got to keep trusting. You got to keep knowing that God is able to do the most amazing thing. Now, the beauty of, of, of it is, is put them in church, get them there and let them grow up in the things that they should know so that when they're older, they won't turn away when they're 18 and they're offered all kinds of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Trust God. Believe God. Risk. Risk that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love Hebrews 11, talking about risk, verse 31. It's a story of, now, you got to get this. <laughs> it says, by faith, the harlot Rahab, the prostitute. Imagine you did everything right. You're in heaven and you're next and going, really, God? I mean, you got to label me for all eternity, for all the Bible, as the harlot. <laughs> Haven't we moved on? But that's what happened. Uh, by faith, the harlot. And I think it's just to let you know, hey, I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know where you're at. But I'm telling you, you can get there. Because Rahab, the harlot, did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. She risked everything. She was in Jericho. She knew that take these spies in meant death. She knew that they were found in her brothel, whatever. 
that meant death. But she was willing to risk it because she saw something greater. She believed something greater. She was willing to risk it and say, I, I believe something. And I love the fact that when they left, they, they put a scarlet cord in her window. Not only so that they can see it and they know that God will protect her when the walls fail. You know that all the walls didn't fall? All the walls didn't fall. Because Rahab's house was in the wall. Because it looked out the window. One wall stood because somebody believed. One wall was kept safe with all of her family. She brought all of her family into the formal brothel and she kept them safe because of what she believed. Because she was able to risk. Are you, what are you able to risk for your family? What are you able to risk? She looked through that scarlet cord. I think it, it, it was this powerful moment when you look through the cord, the red cord. She saw hope. When you look out the window, what do you see? Do you see the cross? The scarlet cross? It says, I am willing to risk everything and to bring my family into this house and do everything it takes. I'm willing to risk it to find and to know that they will be kept safe. The beauty, beautiful story. I have a whole sermon. Maybe I'll share it one day of prostitute to princess because the Bible records that she married Shalom, who was the son of a prince of Israel. She became one of the princes. She went from prostitute of a foreign nation to a princess in Israel. <laughs> Disney doesn't do her princess story, but that's the princess story right there. <laughs> you know, no offense on Jasmine or any of the others. This is the princess story. This is it. In fact, Matthew records she's actually in the line of David or the line of Jesus. She is actually, and Hebrew says, here's a woman of faith. Here's a woman that'll change the world. Someone who's willing to risk. Are you willing to risk? Because that's what makes us full. We got to believe. Okay. Christ is what makes me holy. I can't do it on my own. Christ is what fills me. We have to believe. But secondly, more than uh, anything else that we think, we have to understand there is a risk. And I'm willing to risk it, God. I'll, I'll lay it all down. Man, that changes everything. <laughs> and here's my last thought. A full bold generation is a building generation. It invests and believes in something beyond ourselves, something greater than ourselves. There's all kinds of, we focus on Gen Z, you know, they're the, every story is about Gen Z. But I want to talk about Gen Great, the greatest generation. They came from Gen Lost. Gen Lost was at the turn of the century, and they went through World War I, and they were disillusioned. They were like, there is no purpose in meaningful, meaningless lives. Because, see, World War I was never ended, in my opinion. It was just paused. <clears throat> it was never taken care of until the second half of World War I. I better stop. I better go there. But here's my point. <laughs> in, 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 all, in all of that, they had no purpose. But Jen, great, the greatest generation, they were willing to risk and stand up and believe for something so much greater. They were willing to build for a future generation to their very <coughs> lives. I'm going to build. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to go across seas. I'm going to fight. I'm going to do what it takes because we're going to build something greater. They left something greater because they were willing to trust in something greater. 
And you say, well, okay, well, what makes a cause great? Let me just read this verse. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 5. What makes a cause great? Solomon is talking. He's writing the letter saying, hey, help me build this temple because I am going to build this temple. I am going to build it, and it will be great. Why? Because I want a great temple to sit in? No, 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 no. It will be great because our God is greater than all other gods. The vision is great because our God is great. The vision of your family coming to know Christ, the vision of your family being made whole and well, the vision of what God can do in your life, in your community, in your neighborhood, and your business and everything, it is great. That vision is great. Why? Because our God is great. Our vision, who we are, what we do, what we say, is connected to the greatness of our God. And that's what Solomon is saying. I'm going to build this, but I'm just not going to build it because it's fun. I believe I'm going to build this because God is great. I believe this, this community, this body, this church is going to be great. It is great because God is great. <laughs> because every single soul it touches, it means that, that much more is going to know Jesus Christ. It is great because God is great. It has to be there. It's not because we're great. We want to do great things. We want to be seen. We want to have uh, people notice us or, or whatever. It's never about that. It's about the greatness of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is, is great? Now let me just end with this last thought. Romans 15, verse 13. It says, may the God of all hope fill you. Can I just have this be my closing prayer? God, fill you. Are you empty this morning? Are you feeling like you're just running on empty and you're sputtering because the tank's out? Are you empty and you're thinking, I have nothing to offer this next generation because I'm empty? Are you empty? Then it, the word of God says that God of hope will fill you. We've got to be filled with hope. <laughs> you, you're thinking, oh man, there's no way. There's no way. You, and we've... But the God of hope comes, and the God of hope fills us. What does he fill us with? Joy and peace. When's the last time you were filled with joy and peace? Don't, don't make me break out in a Christmas song. You understand what I'm saying? When's the last time? It's not just a coincidence that Christmas songs are associated with joy and peace. That's what he fills us with. We are filled with joy. We are filled with peace because we trust in him. It's, this one verse has my whole sermon. It's, it's all right there. Be filled with hope and with all joy, with all peace, because we trust in Him. So that you may what? Overflow. There it is. It's just not, I have a full bucket, and I'm glad my bu bucket's full. My bucket's bigger than your bucket. My full bucket's more full than your bucket. No, my bucket is full so that yours can be full, so that I can pour out the praises of God and overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by what you can do, not by might, not by your strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be filled. Come on, let's be filled. We have a whole generation to touch. You're the chosen people. You're the chosen generation. You're the holy nation. You're it. This is what God has. This is what God is going to use to touch this world. This is what God is going to use to save all of West Chase, to save all of Tampa, to save all of Florida. You got faith yet? <laughs> come on. To save and to see even a revival in this nation is going to come because we're full. It's only going to come when we're full. God, fill me. God, fill me with hope. Fill us, Lord, right now with hope. 
Fill us with belief. God, you're going to touch my family. You're going to save my father. You're going to save my mother. You're going to save my children. You're going to save my wife or my husband. God, you're going to move into my business. God, you're going to transform the whole community. God, you're going to touch my neighbors. You're going to touch the friends around me. Why? Because you are filling me with hope. You are filling me with joy. You are filling me with life. And God, we're going to believe with all of our heart. We're going to risk we're going to believe, and we're going to build a, gener- a greater generation, one that it's not even here yet, someone that hasn't even come through our doors yet, someone that doesn't even know about Core Church, but it's going to be there when they walk in and they look around and they say, oh my goodness, look how this, uh, amazing it, this is. We're going to say, it was built for you. It was built so you can find Christ. It was built, my life was built so that somebody else can know who Jesus Christ is. God, fill us. God, I thank you. And God, if there's any person in the sound of my voice watching online or in this room that does not know you, God, right now, we just pray that you would help us to be born again by receiving you in our life, by confessing that you're our Lord and Savior. And God, we trust you. Even though I cannot see, I believe who you are. And God, I pray that and believe that for every single person in the name of Jesus.